This is a show about what rules us. Instead of conflict or force, we propose grace. Tolerance is good, forgiveness is better, but grace is ideal. Grace is empathy and favor for someone who has said or done something we don't like. It's the attempt to understand someone instead of simply condemning them to enemy status. How could this approach solve social problems? And what's the basis for this view? We explore that here on Grace Archie. Our sponsor is a group built around an ethic we admire, the Zero Aggression Principle. Check out the Zero Aggression Project at www.zeroaggressionproject.org. And now, without further ado, here is the host of Grace Archie, Jim Babka. Hello, Bill. Hey, man. Want to see you? Want to talk philosophy today? Sure. Let's get into philosophy. We can do that. We're qualified. All right. Well, you know that I've been a libertarian for uh, well a long time now. No. 1996. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, I know. Surprise. Surprise. But what kind of and, libertarian and, are you? You know, there's various different kinds. You're the do no harm uh, I would, kind, that, right? I, I'm glad you asked. I would consider myself a voluntarist. Voluntarist. And, and what I mean by that is that every relationship that you have, whether it be personal or commercial or with your government, should be one that you, A, chose, and B, you choose to remain in. Yeah. So that if the relationship is no longer serving your interests and your values uh, and it's harming you, you would then be able to uh, divorce You'd be able to make other arrangements. Commercially, we do this all the time, right? Sure. Yep. Works really well. And, I, and and most of the functions that government provides could be provided on a consumer basis. Really could. Yes, we agree about this. So, you know, you you I, I get the joy of uh, uh, working in this career for a while and talking about these ideas. And then I meet someone who has a philosophy or a take on libertarianism that is grounded in reality. And I think people will find benefit from it, particularly if you are libertarian. You're going to be interested in this idea that your view makes physical, gravitational, social sense. Like we can test it. We can scientifically observe it. How's that sound? That works for me. And it's, it's highly relevant, too, because what we're going to talk about today is one of the reasons that I found you in the first place. Yes. Well, you want to start there? You want to talk about that for a second? Oh, my gosh. It's, it's ancient history to me now. But um, yes, <laughs> if I can turn <laughs> so the clock It was a year and back. a half ago. We were a, so young back then. Yeah. yeah. So much has happened, right? It was in the middle of the pandemic. But, you know, there was an article that Jim wrote. For those of you listening, you can still find this and we'll post the links because I think it's really important. But the idea of, you know, how we're coerced to, to do things that would not happen in a normal voluntary relationship that involves human respect. It was so powerful for me, Jim, to be able to say, hey, you know, we do have options here. In fact, we have options politically, but it starts personally, right? It does start personally. And how in so, the world can we do anything if I don't respect you or if you don't respect me? We, we're not going to get anywhere, right? Right. Well, let's start at the beginning because I think we all have something of a goal, right? And foundationally, uh, the thing that's most important to us, we may have other things that are important to us, but the thing that's most important to us, the most consistent through almost all of our decision making is that we have drive for well-being. We want to be happy. Yes. So I define happiness as uh, or the, even the increase of happiness, the relative increase of happiness as being pursuit of well-being. That means in some cases we may have two choices in front of us 
one of the choices might not be very good. And the other choice might be worse. So we choose the choice that's not very good because relatively speaking, that's the one that's going to maximize our happiness in that situation. It's not happiness as in, you know, we're running around, you know, all giddy and joyful because not all, mo most of life doesn't work that way. So this is it's, just, it's making a better choice. Like we feel that of two options, one serves us better. Right. And, and, and so you are pursuing happiness. I'm pursuing happiness. And everyone listening right now is pursuing happiness. In fact, they found their bliss in listening to the show. God bless them. Oh, we love and that. Thank you, listeners. Thank you. So, but we're all pursuing happiness and everybody's seeking that. That's something that's like fundamentally important to them. And when that, so we're concerned about that. We're pursuing that. So the philosophy that we're going to outline here is about maximizing that happiness, or at least the opportunity to maximize that happiness. And, and this is the kind of happiness that's enshrined in a very important piece of paper, right? The Declaration of Independence. Yeah, it said there that uh, it described those as rights uh, for towards happiness and, and uh, I'm sorry, to the pursuit of happiness uh, yes. and, and life and liberty. And that was one of sure. the big three that was included. And these are like, we used to call them natural rights, but I think there's something more specific we could say, maybe natural principles. Like we are na naturally inclined toward happiness. Yeah, you're scratching at something kind of important there. So rights, rights are how other people choose to hand, help you handle your disputes. So let's say that uh, I've come to your house and I've robbed you. Uh, we're going to keep using analogies like this throughout the conversation. So I come and I, I take something from you and you want to settle the dispute. And now you want to call a court. You want to come together. Rights are the methods or tools that we use to determine where our empathy is supposed to lie in resolving a given situation. So there's two key words there. Uh, there's empathy, right? And there is judgment. There's the idea that we, we're going to help you uh, resolve your dispute. The, the community is going to help you resolve your dispute with me by determining where the empathy lies. Because I could come into court and argue, well, the reason I went and stole it from you and, and is because you took it from me in the first place. And then we got to have that, that whole thing up. We have to establish who deserves the empathy in this particular case. That's what rights is about. But inherent to somebody making a claim saying, well, my rights have been taken, what they're saying is it's they've already been victimized. Something's already gone wrong. And I want to start off by asking, in fact, it's a very, very important question. Uh, where, uh, where from where do you get your security? What, why are you secure? Wow. Now we were talking philosophy, but you've, you've, you've gone over my head on this one. What kind of security are you looking for? Just like well-being, safety? Personal security. Why Personal do you feel security. safe? Okay. You, 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 you board, uh, you board a plane or a train or, or a bus, right? Do you, did you do an ID check on everybody that was there? Yeah, this is a crucial question, right? Because uh, you go to the, you go to a, a, a restaurant and you order food. Do you insist on meeting the chef first, shaking his hand? Do you do a background check? Do you take a food taster with you in case maybe he poisoned you? Do you this inspect the our, kitchen? We've, we've chosen to believe that certain things are safe and that they contribute to our happiness versus choosing. Well, and we walk around, we walk around as if we are safe. Right. It, it, yes. it comes as a shock to most people when they're not. Okay. Yep. You've decided that strangers all around you, who you, whom you've not vetted, you're not walking around with security apparatus. So the typical answers when this question gets uh, asked, because the foundation for harmony and prosperity um, uh, with which, by the way, I'm affiliated. Um, 
I'm a colleague there. The Foundation for Harmony and Prosperity has asked this question of hundreds of people over the years, and they've done all kinds of research uh, and studies. And when people get asked this specific question, their normal response is police. I carry a gun. I have self-defense abilities. I have locks on my doors. They think of all the things that actually have to do with confronting threats. But yeah, our normal day-to-day right? existence is not threatened. We walk That'd around, and self-defense right? experts call this condition white, this total sense of obliviousness. So if you go out to dinner with me, uh, <laughs> Sue and I have this routine. We go out to dinner, and she knows what table I'm looking for. She knows where I want to sit in the restaurant. You say, well, what does it even matter? Because I walk around in a slightly elevated state called condition yellow. Uh, it's the, the byproduct of the fact that I'm a concealed carry. Uh, I have a gun and it's usually in my pocket. And when we go to a restaurant uh, in Ohio, anywhere in Ohio, or, or I want to be able to see the door in the register. And so she tries to make sure I get that. And if we go out with like another couple or some other friends, we try to get ahead of them a little bit so we can pick the seat where we're facing out towards the door instead of letting them get to that seat first. And I got my back to the door because I'm the designated shooter for the night, I guess. Yeah, I get but, that. A lot, a lot of veterans feel the same way, combat yeah. especially. You know? Yeah. And uh, most most people don't care where they're sitting. It doesn't occur to them to be an issue uh, because they're in this state. And, and this is good. I want to emphasize, this is a really, really good way to live and it's a good thing to be able to be in condition white. But the point is that you trusted people that you hadn't met yet, total strangers. And so the answer to the question is the reason that you, the, your security is found in the fact that people didn't want to hurt you. They didn't want to poison you. They didn't want to stab you. They didn't want to rob you. They didn't want to assault you. They didn't want to do any of the other stuff. They were, they, in fact, they were so caught up in their own problems and their own goals for that day that they probably didn't even notice you. And that's where your security lies. And so the, that's called respect to the degree that we can get people to respect other people's space and boundaries, their body, their property, the, to, their, to the degree we can get people to respect those things, we actually increase security. So we can have all kinds of campaigns about increasing rights, but the issue, if, if we really want to be proactive, is about increasing respect. This makes good sense to me. I'm tracking you. Okay. So let's, we started off with everybody wants to be happy, right? Yes. This is, and this is, this is a, this is a, 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 this, this seeps into all of our decision-making. It's part of the, the, Everywhere. it's the number one thing that we are, are weighing. We may be weighing other things, but it is the number one thing we're weighing. It, it, it seeps into all decisions and it's relative. It's, it's, it's about well-being. So we call that an axiom. That means that it is, uh, it's a self-evident statement. We don't have to go into to fascinating, you know, mathematical and logical proofs. We don't have to conduct any studies. It's just, it just is. Okay. Well, but, but we need to study. I mean, we have to prove everything <laughs> these days, man. Where, where's right. the research? <laughs> well, I want to add two other things to you. I want to throw two more axioms on, 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 on the pile here. Uh, two more self-evident statements. And I want to say to you that anytime someone has uh, violence used against them, they're assaulted, uh, raped, kidnapped, um, murdered. This is, this is a diminishment of happiness. This leads to a reduction in their happiness. Yeah, I think I can get to that one without a study. So I, I agree. Good. Similar thing with your property. We, you know, we have stuff we own. We take care of our stuff. If somebody vandalizes it, takes it through an act of fraud, or, or just outright steals it from us, our happiness goes down. Yep. 
Okay. So a quick review. Everyone wants to be happy. This is a, this is a, this is a, a primary foundational, very highest important goal. Okay. There might be others, but it's the, this is the top one. And two, anytime that we, and two and three are that anytime that violence or theft is used against us, our happiness goes down. Okay. So gotcha. from that, yeah. we can derive a principle. Absolutely. This is the weight. This is the important thing. Ha uh, anytime violence or theft are used against you, your happiness, harmony, and prosperity will decline. This is the principle of human respect. And I could say it differently. I could yeah. say anytime it's used against me or anytime it's used, uh, violence or theft are used against anybody in the audience, because we're not special. Nobody's unique here. We have this fundamental human drive for happiness and it's always diminished when theft and violence is used against us. The key word here is always. So can we take a minute and talk about a principle? Sure, sure. This is an important thing because this principle is at work whether the diminishment of happiness occurs as a result of a natural disaster or as a result of an intentional theft or as a victim of some other crazy thing. It's, it's still a principle. It still works, right? It always works. It's always, always works. in place, okay? So we say that this principle is natural in the sense that it is cause and effect. We can see that the theft or the violence was a cause and the diminishment of the happiness, harmony, and prosperity was a result. It's, it's X leads to Y, cause and effect. And, it, and you think of this, I want you to think of this, encourage you to think of this in the same way that you would gravity, right? So in gravity, if you go out, if you jump off a tall building, uh, we know exactly how fast you're going to fall and how hard you're going to hit when you go splat. Because Isaac Newton put together a, a chart and figured that whole thing out. And that pr that principle, that natural principle, helps us build bridges and buildings and do a whole bunch of other things, okay? Because it has predictive yep. value. Now, I can't yep. guarantee tomorrow that if you walked off a building, you wouldn't fly, okay? But based on the fact that repeated observation for ever and ever, that's always been the case that people have gone splat, we have reason to place our bet that the next time someone attempts to do that same thing, the result will be the same. So it's, that's how uh, principle works. Axiomatic, one might say. Yeah, almost. And 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 and. Uh, but I want you to see this as a proof. I want you to see this as evidence that this is this is something that always happens. And it don't care about your feelings. It doesn't matter what yeah, you think it about. Matter. Right. Yeah. It just is. So when you when. This means that every time that somebody's stealing from somebody, every time that somebody is uh, using coercion of some kind, they are diminishing the happiness of the person to whom they're doing that. Now, maybe they don't cry foul. Maybe they allow a lot of things to roll off their back and they just keep plowing forward. But it, but they, they end up not making choices that they would have made otherwise. They end up being impeded in pursuing their happiness. And sometimes, you know, ob it's obvious how... Uh, prosperity is diminished when someone steals from you, right? Or you have hospital bills because you were assaulted. Clearly, that's yeah. obvious, right? Yeah. Um. Uh, so those, those, this is a principle. It's a hard and fast rule, and so we mean principle in kind of the same way you would say scientific law. And this is the principle of human respect, and it always applies anytime hap uh, someone uses violence or theft against you. Your happiness, harmony, and prosperity will diminish. Yeah, I can feel that. Okay. So now, if everybody is pursuing happiness and these things diminish their happiness, I want to ask you a personal question. Are you a good person? Do you consider yourself a good person? 
so measured against the principle of human respect? Well, no, I just in general, are you a decent guy? Like, do you yeah. go around getting stuff by punching people in the mouth? No, Let's no, say no. You see I, somebody I, else has something really good for lunch. Do you just steal it? No, I only punch certain people, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, in our normal day-to-day -day interactions, we and we learned this all the way back on the playground. Oh, yeah. It's don't hurt the people. Don't take their stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, you know, we need to have, sometimes we have to be kind of instructed in those boundaries because we're not aware of consequences or cause and effect yet. But we learn, uh, maybe through some discipline, but more so because we want to be liked, because we want to fit in, because we want social connection and relationships, that we are going to have to find ways to get along with people. And in order, but we're still going to have things that we want. And to get those things, there's only two ways we can get them. Anything that we want out of life, there's only two methods. One is coercion. Yeah. We just simply do some kind of act that causes, that takes something from somebody against their will. Okay. Or persuasion, which can cover a whole host of things. Uh, we, we voluntarily organize to get things done. We trade. Uh, we are known to be charitable. We can, we support causes that we care about. Um, there's just, uh, we, we can, we can talk things out and resolve disputes together and figure out how to get to a, a sense of agreement. Sometimes we just choose to walk away and ignore stuff, but we, the point is we can do all of those things peacefully. So there's so, a peaceful uh, method is always persuasion or so cooperation. I, 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 I'm, I'm going to make a big sort of jump in this. So is the transaction involving money? persuasive or coercive? Oh, it's persuasive because what you're creating is a win-win situation unless there's an act of deception, which we call fraud. Right. And that's a, that's a form of theft, right? So in in a normal transaction, uh, uh, I, I let's say you're selling eggs by the side of the road. I, I really do appreciate your egg business there in San Diego. Thank you. And that's I drive really by. Incredible. Yes. I drive by and I buy Bill's eggs. And uh, I, the reason that I buy Bill's eggs is because I want eggs more than the green pieces of paper that I'm carrying around in my pocket at that moment. And the reason you're sitting there selling eggs, because at that moment you want the green pieces of paper more than you want the eggs. This concept in economics is called subjective value. It means that the eggs are worth more to me than they are to you, which is why you're selling them. And the dollars are worth more to you than they are to me, which is why I'm giving them to you in exchange. Okay. And so we come out with a win-win transaction. The two of us win. Now, yes. if I come and I stick a gun in your back because you're sitting there with eggs and I do this every day, how many days are you going to be sitting out there with eggs? Right. Yeah. So it's no longer a persuasive thing. And this becomes a problem for us socially. Like we don't want theft to become a problem in society. And we recognize this inherently because if somebody doesn't produce something, there's nothing to consume. In every circumstance, stealing is wrong. And the reason it's wrong is because when someone's happiness is diminished, let's say because their eggs were stolen, they're going to stop selling eggs eventually. Uh, first, they might take some remedial steps to try to enhance their security. Some of the aforementioned, you know, I'm going to get a gun or I'm going to get a guard or I'm going to get a dog or I'm going to get whatever. But that is going to increase the price of the eggs and diminish the amount of profit that I'm able to take from those eggs that I could do other things that would pursue greater happiness for me. I have additional burdens and expenses to try to sell those eggs. But if it gets too bad, I'm just going to give up selling the eggs. And 
this is why we don't want theft to be a rampant thing. It's it's it, the as it begins to spread, it 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 not it, it, the diminishment of happiness means that the producer stops producing. They won't do it because they're not getting happiness out of it anymore. So our principle of human respect is tied directly to happiness. Directly. It's the goal. We are teleologically oriented towards well-being. We're pursuing well-being in what we're doing. You know, uh, I'm, you know, I'm coming up near the end of my year here. You know, am I going to go into my boss and am I going to say, hey, boss, you know, I'm having such a great job time here. Cut my pay. You know, I shouldn't be making the money that I'm making here, right? Or am I going to go ask him for more money? I'm going to ask for a raise, right? Because I want to increase my sure. prosperity. That's sure. Because why do I want my prosperity increase? Because going to, that's I believe that's a path to greater happiness for me, right? I I don't want the opposite. I don't want to take a cut and pay, right? So same thing with harmony, right? When when if if I come and steal from you, how how long are we going to be able to get along under those circumstances? It's right? not going to last long, right? It's not going to last long at all, right? It's the chance. The, so the peace goes down. People start crying out for justice in those situations. They want vengeance and 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 punishment and penalty. So harmony has gone down. So it, it, across the board, this is a bad bargain. It's and 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 so we wouldn't do it. And so and we yet, come up with a, a moral philosophy as a result. Yes, right. We have this okay. fungible middle thing. Okay. So the natural principle when we were talking about that that was hard and fast. Didn't care about your feelings. This is the way it's going to be. But a moral principle is about your values. It is now that you know that everyone is just like you is pursuing happiness and happiness is always diminished by actions of coercion, violence, theft. It's always diminished. Your response is going to be that you're going to say, I'm committed to not using violence and theft to get what I want because I recognize that it diminishes happiness, harmony, and prosperity. My recognition of those things, my recognition of your humanity, I have respect for that. So I am not going to use violence and theft to get what I want. On the other hand, aren't we continually put in a position where we have to choose some form of violence and coercion in order to retain the happiness we have? And by that, I mean something as simple as, say, paying taxes to a government that may not use that money the way we want it to. Okay. I'm glad you brought this issue up because taxation is extortion. It is an act of coercion designed ultimately, and the, the, the more pithy way of saying this is taxation is theft. That's the bumper sticker version, but it's technically extortion. It's a protection racket. What you just described is no different than a protection racket. We will take some of uh, something from you. And we will use it towards good ends, but the ends fails the means test. Because what I didn't allow you to do was organize your affairs in such a way that you could pursue and maximize your own happiness. And I took some of it. And yes, inevitably, in a system of government, there are people who are attracted to the honeypot who will come and use those funds in ways that will offend your values. They will spend that money in ways not only that you never would have spent, because they always point to things like the roads. Oh, right, roads, right. right? They will come and spend that money on other things as well that are contrary to your values. Uh, they will waste money in very profligate fashion. 
Uh, they will use it in various forms of corruption and bribery. Uh, there will be people show up to that that find ways to just bleed the system dry. It's free money, man. But it's not free to the person who had to give up a portion of their earnings and their take-home pay. So and we, Sorry, and, and so it's it's so it's an act of theft. And we walk around for the most part in condition white about this too. We to to suppress the pain. Uh, we pretend like somehow it's justified. It's a necessity. You know, there's only two things in life that are necessities. You know, they always happen: death and taxes. You heard the joke. And, but it isn't really necessary because as I said, at the very outset of this podcast, almost everything you can think of that the government's doing can be done voluntarily. And by the way, I haven't anybody stumped me on this one yet. I don't, there's nothing that we do that couldn't be, uh, uh, brought about by voluntary association or, or commercial exchange. Which would be, uh, according to what we've been discussing here, that would be a greater happiness result. A win-win relationship. Versus think about, for example, it. think about, for example, the times that you've been able to be charitable. Okay. Yeah. It's now giving think Tuesday about the today, times. So yeah. Now, now, now I'm going to show up at the door instead and I'm going to say, we've got to, we were going to take care of the family down the street. And you say, oh, hey, I want to pitch in $10. I want to help them too. We say, no, Bill, we need $12.35 and we point a gun to your head. Yeah. How fast do you think I'm going to write a check for $12.35? Yeah. You know, you might do it because, you know, it'd be the smart thing to do, right? Because there's a gun in your head. You're being coerced. But did your happiness go up? Now do right. you feel a sense of joy in the giving? Right. And more so, do you feel resentment now towards the people that got the money? So did harmony increase? And did you, uh, are you, are you richer or are you poorer? Well, the exchange is not fair in the first place. It's just not fair because all of the diminishment that you've just indicated is is, is part of it. Whereas before, before anybody wants to shoot back and say, well, gee, Jim, you're being an awful jerk about $2.35. The $2.35 could have been spent on something else. We forget sure. fundamentally, and this is the point that I really want to make here. We forget fundamentally that this money that is being taken from us by political forces at gunpoint uh, is not coming from the Russians. It's not coming from the Martians. It's coming from us. And so if we wanted to maximize even our ability to be better at, say, welfare or defense or any one of these things, we have a mechanism, a superior mechanism that does this. We have two superior mechanisms that do this. We have three mechanisms that are superior. They are things like compassion, trade based on a price where we set a value, or just good old fashioned, that sense that you just mentioned of sharing. These are the types of things that we could choose to do. And each of these things are in alignment with our happiness. And instead, what we're forced to do is somebody takes something a little extra from us and they grab a little bit for themselves in the process. That's what the political class does at the end of the day. I mean, that's why there is a phrase that says, follow the money. Qui bono, follow the money because it's stolen money. And I think we need to burrow in just one more level deeper here now, because now the problem is really manifest. You see, Bill, when we were discussing this before, most people follow the moral principle of human respect that they won't sure. use happiness, uh, they won't use violence or theft against others because they recognize it diminishes other people's happiness, harmony, and prosperity, or more simply, they're good people. They're normal, good people, right? And they recognize that they're not going to be happy doing that. Most people follow that most of the time. 
but somehow or other we make exceptions when people step in the voting booth. Politicians uh, yes. routinely promise to lift our burdens, to take our problems away. They will solve things for us if we will just elect them. And once they're elected, they vote. They take steps to confiscate money, direct it to causes that they that they were elected to support, some of which will offend and shock the people who didn't vote for them. But so what? The heck with them. We don't care about their happiness. They lost the election. That's how democracy works. We don't care about their happiness. We don't care about their harmony. We don't care about their prosperity. In fact, they should just be a little bit more quiet about it, honestly. Well, stop belly aching. Just win the next election. Shut up in the meantime. And we take that money and we do what we want with it. And that's what the politicians do. Now, the politicians didn't get in office on their own. They didn't get there by conquest. They got there with the support of the people. And when they and when they pass these laws, they don't carry them out themselves. They get other people, people who are your neighbors, to carry guns and batons and handcuffs and the other implements of law enforcement to then enforce all of these laws that they make. So that you can have a shocking situation like the story of Eric Garner, a story that's stuck with me for a decade roughly now. Eric Garner was selling Lucy's, untaxed cigarettes, one at a time in the streets of New York, which is a crime because the tax wasn't getting paid. And Eric Garner wasn't as cooperative with the police as he could have been. He wasn't resistant. He didn't fight. He just wasn't cooperative. But he ends up on the ground. He was very overweight with a man on his back in a chokehold. He was a police officer. It was a group of police officers. He says, I can't breathe. And he ends up dying. So he got a death sentence for selling Lucy's. Now, people say, hey, he should have cooperated. Well, no, you're missing the point. He got a death sentence for selling Lucy's. It's a proportionality problem. And worse, it should have never happened in the first place. Because back somewhere in Albany, somebody made a law. And they weren't there. They weren't standing on the street corner saying, go get Eric. They were just saying, "This is, we're, gonna, we're willing to do something that may result in the death of someone in order to make sure that we get our tax. But wait, the guy in Albany didn't, that, that introduced that law, or gal, whoever it was, didn't get there on their own. They were sent there by people. So we can label, we can, we can identify these people as agents. The people who, they have agency. They take over for us. They act in our name. They sign the papers, so to speak, for us, almost like power of attorney, right? They make decisions for us socially. And every time, we hand the government the power to do this, we are giving away our ability to be self-governors, the people who will solve these problems. We are instead saying that every social problem requires the ability, if necessary, to kill someone. That's literally what we're saying every time we make a new law. We're willing to see people die in order to make this thing stand in effect. Now, I don't think the calculation is often brought up on, on uh, at city councils and and state legislators and the halls of Congress. I don't think they often take the time to consider this, but it's a fact that every time they're doing this, they're saying someone may die as a result of what we're doing here, but we we're committed to this policy action so deeply that we're willing to kill people if that's what it's going to take. Over tax on a single cigarette. Correct. Now you can clearly see that Eric and 
by extension, his family, because he didn't survive the event, that their happiness, harmony, and prosperity declined. Uh, they sued the police department. The coroner ruled it a homicide. I believe for a time, a police officer lost his job. He was on suspension. I mean, there, there were consequences. There were fallout. A lot of people, this was not a healthy situation. Yeah, but they, did they remove the person from the office in Albany that made the law? No. And the voters themselves didn't think to apologize. So what I'm suggesting is that Eric Garner and everyone else has greater sense of security in actions where they are not harming anyone else. Let's be very, very clear here. If you are someone who's using violence or theft, if you're going around being that guy that's hitting people in the mouth to get what you want, you're stealing things, then the law, the natural purpose of the law is to stop those things and to find a way to remediate or provide some kind of justice, some recompense to the person who was victimized, who, who lost something. It's very, very hard, by the way, to ever bring it back to normal. Sometimes it's, in fact, most of the time we fail on that. But that's why that system is there. But anytime we start using that to advance our values or to solve a social problem, and I don't care what social problem you're trying to pick, literacy, education, we have wars on all this stuff. You remember the war on poverty? You remember the oh, war sure. on, yeah. on illiteracy? All the, the only tool that the government has is force. That's its only unique thing because all the things I labeled as voluntary, all the things I labeled as persuasion and trade and whatever, we can all do those things for ourselves. We don't need a government to do those things. Go ahead. I, I am, of course, you know, the only question I can ask is, so what do we need the government for? And if its only tool is force... <laughs> It all what brings you the party. We, what should it's all, we It's its only special with? tool. It's its only unique tool. It's Listen, only unique tool. a president can give a impassioned, persuasive speech to encourage a particular course of action. But so can your favorite celebrity. So can your favorite athlete. So can your pastor or priest or rabbi. Like, there's a lot of people that could stand up and do the same thing. That's not the unique selling proposition of the state. The state is about using force. It has a monopoly on the initiation of force, and it carries that force in a way that it is capable at any moment, at any moment of coercing people and violating their happiness, otherwise peaceful people who are engaged in win-win transactions that we just don't like. And it can involve sex, it can involve drugs, it can involve the houses of worship and, and assembly, it can involve a whole host of things, stuff you may agree with, stuff you may disagree with, the stuff that you disagree with, we take that away, we're coming for you next, bud. We have to say no across the board because the principle always applies. And because we recognize that principle, we have decided as good people that we are not going to take away the happiness, harmony, and prosperity of other people. So here we are caught in on the horns of the dilemma, as they say, where we can embody the principle of human respect in all of our personal, perhaps our business dealings. But when it comes time to vote, are we too far gone, Jim? I mean, how do we how do we bring no, the government? No, no, back? no, no. I I think this is a discussion that people want to have, and I, this is a a great place to start to begin to land the plane. So, you have the ability to be as conservative in your social views and values as you want. You have the ability to be as progressive in your social views and values as you crave. Those things, 
I don't want to change who you are. Be you. Be as libertarian as you are. Be whatever. But the second we join up with Republicans or Democrats or libertarians and we or Greens or anybody else and we start saying, well, we're going to put our agenda in place. We're going to be in charge. We're going to run this our way. We're going to keep the gun in place. We're going to keep the coercion in place, but we're going to do it a little bit better. We're going to manage it in our own way. It's still the same recipe. It's still breaking the same rules. It is violating a principle that will always diminish happiness. Always. And once we know that, we cannot keep doing it. Now, what I've found as we've been going around talking about this is, and, and in my work with the Foundation for Harmony and Prosperity, is that everyone can embrace this view regardless of your uh, progress, progressive or conservative values, regardless of your religious values or lack thereof that this is a universal constant. We can all recognize these axioms that we spoke of at the beginning of this session. And because we can all recognize it, it's something we can come to agree on. And as we have seen the ungracious conflict machine chaos that we've been observing, people, uh, families fighting with each other at, at, at holiday dinner tables and being divided and, and more and more being focused on being right as opposed to being understanding and and, listen, and, and and shouting instead of listening, that people are looking for an answer and wanting to know what the way out is. We wouldn't be doing this program if that wasn't the case. And I want to suggest that this is a unifying concept, that regardless of creed, regardless of political party, you can, you can choose to embrace this and say, I'm going to vote in a way, and I'm going to encourage others to see this principle and vote in a way where we're not going to vote to expand coercion. We're always going to see, seek out the way that we can minimize coercion and maybe hopefully in a principled level, zero it completely out. This may be a question that's too big for this episode. And if it is, we'll do it at a different time. But I have to ask, and I'll, and I'll put it in the context of your view of the future and what's possible. Okay. So is the constitution of the United States capable of aligning with the principle of human respect? I personally do not believe so. Um, I believe, you asked me earlier at the very beginning of the show, you know, what, 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 what am I? I have a unique label I like to put on my voluntarism even, and that is I like to say I'm post-statist. So there's this libertarianism that I first, when I first came into it, a lot of people said, well, the founding fathers were libertarian. And I think fundamentally there's some accuracy to that but I don't want to go back in time. Some of them were slaveholders too, right? So while they were having an awakening and Thomas Jefferson can write some of the most inspiring words that still were st uh, and, and espouse principles, uh, values that we're still not living up to, to this day that we could still aspire to and yet be a slaveholder who was, uh, as I understand it, very exacting, um, that that could still be the case simultaneously. No, I don't want to go backwards. I don't want to go backwards. I also don't want to authorize anyone with a vote of a plurality, the simple ability to outlast all the rest of the competitors in a, in a bad contest of, you know, some of the worst characters imaginable. Um, I, I'm not interested in that. I don't want to empower Congress. I don't believe anybody has authority to tax or take from somebody else. Instead, I want to do things to encourage cooperation. But I also recognize, and this is why I call it post-status, that the Constitution was a great leap forward for where it was in its time. Things evolve. So it was a good thing. It's a great thing. And it's also preserved 
uh, our liberties uh, in a way that's superior to what we've seen in other places. I mean, we've got our friends north of the border who <laughs> uh, we just watched what they've been going through under Trudeau. They're losing their liberties faster than we are. Uh, they don't have the same written protections. So I don't think it's invalid or, or useless. I think it was a great leap forward, but I don't think it's the future. I think the future is not rights. It's not writing things down. It's not making the laws tougher. It's not holding the politicians more accountable. It's not reforms of their programs. It's about finding out how we can actually practice respect for the other human beings around us. Just let's call it for what it is, a philosophy of human respect.